Hello friends, welcome to Tech Humanity, where we examine the intersection between technology and humanity. I'm your host, Tony Kashani. In the 21st century, the so-called digital age, ones and zeros tend to determine much of what we call reality. Do you ever question the nature of your reality? Do you ever wonder how new technologies, things like social media, apps for humanistic ideas, and so on, shape your consciousness? Are we in charge of technology, or is technology in charge of us? Will singularity become a reality, and AI become the new creator, competing directly with the metaphysical God? These are some of the ideas and questions that we will tackle at Tech Humanity in this episode, and many more in the future. So please join us. In this episode, we will focus on the proverbial tech revolution. And as a society, where we may be headed, that is technologically, sociologically, psychologically, and existentially. But first, a story. I'd like to share with you a short proverbial story from the old Chinese ancient tradition. Once upon a time, there was an old farmer. Folks in the village called him very affectionately and respectfully, Mr. Li. He led a simple life and always seemed content with everything life would present to him. He had worked his crops for so many years with only one horse. One day, his horse ran away. Upon hearing this bad news, the folks around the village, especially his nearby neighbors, came by to see him to offer words of sympathy. They said, this is bad luck. So sorry, Mr. Lee, you must be sad and disappointed. To which he replied, We'll see. Two days later, the horse returned, bringing with it two other wild horses. The neighbors were excited and came by to congratulate Mr. Lee. What great luck, Mr. Lee. Now you have three horses. What great fortune you have, Mr. Lee. Upon hearing this, replied, We'll see. Some days passed. While trying to tame one of the horses, Mr. Lee's son fell off the horse and broke his leg. Again, the neighbors came to offer words of sympathy. Oh, now your son cannot help you with the farming, Mr. Lee. What terrible luck you have. And again, Mr. Lee's response was, We'll see. A week later, a war had broken out in the far region and the military officials were going around the villages recruiting young men into the army. They came to the village of Mr. Lee's uh, neighbors and, and, and himself and upon noticing that Mr. Lee's son's leg was broken, they passed him by. Once again, upon hearing the news, the neighbors came by to offer congratulations. Mr. Lee! You must be so happy. You're so lucky. Mr. Lee smiled and turned to the neighbors and said, 
We'll see. Now on to the topic of tech revolution. Living in the San Francisco Bay Area, I happen to have a proverbial front row seat at the hub of the so-called high-tech revolution. The number of inventions, innovations, and technological wizardry I witness emanating from the Silicon Valley and the rest of the Bay Area would astonish the gods. Tech is changing the world we live in. And I mean that literally. Some of these inventions are making life for so many people so much more enjoyable, healthier, smarter, and positively exciting. This is revolutionary and evolutionary. Then there are technologies that are designed to keep us preoccupied and occupied chronically and addictively. The obvious example would be, of course, uh, the over-the-top violent internet video games. Then there are technologies that work behind the scenes. In the hands of the powerful agencies, these technologies have become devices of control and machine-like transformation of society. Humans of today, at least the ones immersed in the technological world, are transforming vis-a-vis -vis external forces of technologies of control. Google is enhancing its famed Google eyeglasses to turn our heads into portable computers. Autonomous, that is self-driving, cars are no longer the stuff of science fiction. They are as real as the smartphones. But can they react to unpredictable human behavior? We'll see. The digital technologies are advancing stem cell research and regenerative medicine, medical diagnostic artificial intelligence. This is exciting stuff. And with its increasingly more powerful machine learning, these are helping save lives. Think about face recognition software, sex robots, GPS systems so sophisticated they can guide us to virtually anywhere on Earth. Self-tracking devices like Apple Watch, Fitbit, not to mention the powerful iPhones and Android phones, they can do all kinds of wizardry. Surveillance technologies that can babysit our kids, catch criminals, or find consumer goods for us and track virtually every move we make. The list is seemingly endless. So, these technologies shape our societal means, but they also tend to shape our individual as well as collective consciousnesses. The high-tech revolution is directly and sometimes inadvertently writing a new social contract for us. In a democracy, the masses, either through elected representation or direct referendum, have an integral hand in writing their own social contract. How we should do things, what laws we should have, how we should behave, and so on. Of course, uh, the ruling elite have always had a strong hand in determining many of the rules of the game. That is a given. But democratic elements have always pushed back against total control, culturally, economically, and politically. I want to focus on how the tech revolution is shaping, or rather, assisting in shaping our present form of economy.
what the future holds. We don't know. We'll see. You may be familiar with the phrase shared economy. It has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Share. So positive. So democratic. So empowering. As Ludwig Wittgenstein once said, my worldview is limited to my language. Also known as gig economy, the concept of shared economy by tech fundamentalists is sold as empowering opportunities, economy you no longer have to be the slave to. You don't have to be the slave to the man. With a smartphone and the right app, anybody can become a micro entrepreneur. One gig at a time, that is. It is a utopic narrative, isn't it? If you have a tangible asset, like a house, there's so many ways a website like Airbnb for a small cut can help you generate income from it. Rent the whole house, its garage, a tent in your driveway, backyard, etc. You're in charge. It's your gig. If you're not that lucky and only have a car, no worries. Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, and a few other brokerage firms will help you monetize your car and your time driving folks from point A to point B. Then there are companies like TaskRabbit, Freelancer.com, who will happily help you monetize your body for a small cut, of course. And remember, all liabilities are yours, not theirs. You're in charge. These companies have developed and continue augmenting algorithms that facilitate labor brokerage. Through their websites and mobile apps, these advanced technologies enable you to enter the so-called online auction arena. For those with means, look for the lowest bid to hire the cheapest, most efficient labor. What Amazon and eBay pioneered in pitting small businesses and individuals against one another in trying to sell their goods, these companies have taken it to another level, the level that I call techno-savagery. In this realm, the faceless technology driven by AI algorithms promises the vulnerable folks the following. Opportunity, a chance to make some extra cash to pay the bills or buy that extra pair of shoes you don't really need. Flexibility, you choose to take the gig that fits your schedule. If you're a college student, do gigs between classes. You're young. Who needs rest? Who needs time to think and contemplate and complete homework? Just take gigs. And autonomy. You are your own boss after all. On the surface, they don't force anyone to take any job. But the masters of the universe, armed with data analytic tools, know with great degree of accuracy what the state of economy is like, how wages have been stagnant for more than three decades, adjusted for inflation, of course, and the ample supply of labor will keep their companies relevant to Wall Street. Whether you take the gig or someone else, Uber, TaskRabbit, and others will take their cut. That's a given. And it's not about making money from specific transactions. That's just the cherry on top for these companies. The end game is enriching the major shareholders and gaining more control over individuals and, in turn, society at large. 
This is not a conspiracy theory, folks. Far from it. This is the story of unfeathered capitalism enabled a supercharged by mind-boggling, sophisticated software engineering, and those with the biggest computers are in charge of it all. There's a form of artificial consciousness building in process. If you believe what everything the tech solutionists will tell you, once you are converted, it is a religious experience. There will be an app for any problem. Your body your soul, your energy, your activities, basically your life will be bought and sold in the marketplace and you will happily and voluntarily assist in the process. That is the intended end game for the masters of the universe enabled by tech solutionists. Just as happiness is the flip side of sorrow, we have technologies at hand to do good for humanity. We have technologies to end world hunger, mitigate environmental disasters, eradicate many diseases, eradicate pollution, provide income and wealth for humanity at large. But do we have the kind of collective consciousness that can make these concepts valuable and worth fighting for. We mustn't assume that social justice is a natural phenomenon and it is always a given. It isn't. It isn't fair, for example, that we don't have paid maternity leave as a law to be enforced in the United States. We can't build an app to fix that problem. We have to want it to happen and organize to make it happen politically. There could be an app for such organization and consciousness building, that's for sure. The same sophisticated technologies and, and types of machine learning that are used to predict and shape human behavior to make people into data products, if in the hands of the masses, aided by political actors committed to social justice, can make our world a happier, healthier, and more just place for everyone, not just the 1% transnational elite. Everyone, yes. Those with the biggest computers get to write the rules of the game and have the kind of media to fool people. But imagine, if you will, what if a democratic system actually allowed the masses to have control of the biggest computers? What if these masses were educated not only in STEM, that is science, technology, engineering, and math, but also in ethics, history, the arts, philosophy, and psychology? Then couldn't we have search engines that would be designed to offer truly neutral access to all kinds of information? Social media that actually let people connect and be in charge of their own data. A shift from military technology to medical and space technologies. Of course, the list is endless. We can always ask, what if? We'll see. I am not posturing 
I mean what I say, and I say what I mean. A big part of the tech revolution is big data revolution. Let me go back to our economy in the U.S., where seemingly everything is commodified. Our nation is the only industrial and technologically advanced country in the world without a universal healthcare system. Instead, we have a healthcare industry, big data, and measuring devices to usher in big data play an integral role in the healthcare industry. Let me give you a small example. Medical sensors, devices that can be attached and in some cases implanted to patients, what is also known as body hacking. Uh, these devices provide enormous data. Some of these devices are capable of obtaining continuous stream of biometric data, data that is and can be used for diagnosis, research, treatment, and in some cases, excellent management of chronic illnesses. An excellent example of this kind of device and data collection is glucose sensors for folks with diabetes. Uh, in 2014, Google announced, and they continue to work on this, that they are working on a type of contact lens that would contain a tiny glucose detector and a wireless chip. While they're working on, you know, uh, getting rid of the potential hazards to the eyes, the South Koreans have advanced in that field. And in 2018, they introduced a prototype with a sensor, well, with such a lens where patients can transmit their health information in real time using the embedded wireless antenna in the lens. It's just a matter of time before we have these kinds of gadgets as extensions of our bodies. For better or worse, this will be the case. Now imagine, with cutting-edge technology such as the glucose-level monitoring contact lens, and many more to come, we can be healthier while cutting costs on unnecessary medical exams and other hospital services. What well, we must first make healthcare a right and not a privilege. If we treated healthcare like water or even electricity with heavy regulation, this would allow ethical sharing of big data between doctors and hospitals and other institutions for healthcare. A single-payer system would then take care of the expenses. And not only we would have a more efficient healthcare system, but a much healthier populace. In fact, we have such a system in place for folks 65 and older. It is called Medicare. Perhaps you heard of it. With the political will, if civil society and honest political representations uh, are offered, we can simply extend Medicare to everyone. And by everyone, I mean people all around, regardless of their income or any other socioeconomic status. Medicare for all is what I'm talking about. 
Today, time-saving AI technology is available to aid doctors in analyzing CT scans, MRIs, and other sophisticated tests. And they don't have to cost very much if they are part of a big universal government-run system like Medicare. Will we do this sooner rather than later? We'll see. Thank you for listening.